I greet you in the name of God, the Father Almighty, who is Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, first and last. It's good to see you here in Faith and Arts Center, along with those who are joining us online today. Our fall emphasis here at Northside is multiply. And our featured biblical stories are teaching us the new math of God's kingdom. Divine grace multiplies in human lives in miraculous ways. And God blesses us richly and calls us to respond in kind. Today's scripture lesson from Genesis 12, beginning with verse 1, introduces one of the great figures of Hebrew scripture, Abram, whom we later know as Abraham. And today's sermon is Stars and Sand. And I invite you to listen closely to God's word. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your father and your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Amen. The North Georgia Annual Conference meets each year in June. Laity and clergy from across the state gather to do God's work. The traditional last item of the agenda is the fixing of the pastoral appointments. The word fixing is used in its meaning of to fasten or to finalize, but it always tickles me because it suggests last year's appointments were broken. In the old days, not the good old days, no one knew what the pastoral appointments were going to be until the bishop read them during the last moments of annual conference. Clergy, spouses, laity sat in their seats waiting for the list to be read, and pastors who discovered they were moving went home, told their families, preached, packed, and moved. The last time the appointed process affected my life was in the late winter of 2017. I knew that the cabinet was meeting to make pastoral appointments, and it had already been an eventful week in our lives. I'd had eye surgery that week. Still a little groggy from the procedure, and I was wearing an eye patch like a crazed pirate. We had learned that Tracy's mother was going to be having heart surgery, and our daughter had shared with us she was moving to Texas. Thursday morning, 8 o'clock, my district superintendent calls and says, do you have time to talk about your next pastoral appointment? Yeah, I do. He said, the cabinet wants to send you to Northside United Methodist Church, but I've been authorized to give you 24 hours to pray about it. My response probably does not reflect well on my personal spirituality. I said, Dana... I can tell you yes now, or I can pray about it 24 hours and I will tell you yes tomorrow. 
And six and a half years later, I am thrilled to have the opportunity to serve here at Northside. One of the unique characteristics of Methodism is that ordained elders, and we have two orders of ordination in the United Methodist Church, deacons and elders, elders are ordained as itinerant ministers. It means to go where you are sent. And we place ourselves under a bishop's authority to go wherever we might be deployed. And this has a long and rich history in our denomination. John Wesley, when he began Methodism, or the Methodist movement in the 1700s of Great Britain, did not have Anglican priests to call upon to oversee the congregations. So he appointed lay pastors, and they would have circuits of churches, and they would go from one to the other and preach. This same practice came to North America along with the early pioneers. And Methodist circuit riders would go from place to place to declare God's word. And one circuit might make them take them four to six weeks to complete. It was a challenging vocation. The average lifespan of a frontier circuit rider was 35 years of age. 199 of the original 700 circuit riders died in their first five years of service. The point of system has changed over the years because of the needs of culture and of church. But ordained elders still promise to go where they are sent. And the bishop asks, do you offer yourself without reservation to be appointed to serve as the appointed authority may determine? And those ordinands are supposed to answer yes with a straight face and uncrossed fingers. I had one older clergy tell me when I first came into the conference, it's the worst system in the world, except for all the rest of them. And I've seen God work in, through, and despite the appointed process. I've been at this 42 years now. I've served seven different appointments, and each one has been a blessing in its own way. I will say the greatest blessing at one particular appointment was the day I left. Today's Bible lesson deals with itineracy. It introduces to us the great patriarch Abram, whose name is later changed by God to Abraham. And you might feel like you're coming into the middle of the story, but Genesis 12, 1 is the start of it. There's this very abrupt call from God. And it reads, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And then there were these amazing promises attached with the divine covenant. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and all the people on earth will be blessed because of you. And that's it. No directions. No GPS waypoints, not even a compass point. Just go, and by the tone of the conversation, go now. And did you notice the future tense? To the land I will show you. God said go, and Abram went. What Genesis does not record is Abram's conversation with Sarah when he told her God's plans. 
What would enable somebody to step out in faith and to move from Ur to Haran to Canaan to Egypt and Canaan back again? You know, the word is faith. Faith in the God who called him. Faith in the Lord who blessed him. Faith in the Almighty who would go before and behind and beside him. Later, when the author of Hebrews was writing about faith in the 11th chapter, he included this roll call of heroes and heroines of faith. And at the top of the list was Abram. And Hebrews defines faith as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Abram didn't know where he was going, but he knew who had called him and whom he was following And that was enough. And father, Abraham, and mother, Sarah, became, Sarah, that was my southern coming out there, became the father and mother of a great nation. And just as God had promised, their descendants outnumbered the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. We marvel at such faith. That would leave family and home far behind to travel wherever God called. But it's true for Christian disciples as well. We too are called to be itinerants, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Go to the Gospels, read all four, and look at Jesus' original call of the original disciples. When he called them, what he did not, did not say was, gentlemen, I'm inviting 12 of you to engage in a three-year internship. Our itinerary itinerary will include Galilee, Samaria, Judea. We're going to visit Jerusalem several times. Along the way, you're going to receive some on-the-job training. You're going to watch me as I heal the sick, exercise the demon-possessed, proclaim God's kingdom coming, perform some miracles as well. Towards the end, I'm going to change the job description. We're going to go on down to Jerusalem. We'll share a final meal together, and y'all are going to betray, deny, and desert me. I will die a horrific death on the cross. But don't worry, three days later, I'm going to be raised from the grave. 50 days after that on Pentecost, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. You'll go and proclaim the gospel to the entire known world. 11 of the 12 of you are going to die violent deaths, but don't worry because my kingdom will be established through you and the church. Jesus didn't tell them all that. The original invitation to discipleship was, follow me. And even almost three years later, when they had begun to understand he was cross-bound in the demands of discipleship, the core invitation was still the same. To take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. The Bible reminds us that we are strangers in a foreign land. We are traveling through this life to a world beyond. And as disciples of Jesus Christ dedicated to God's kingdom, we're called to go wherever our Lord sends us. It's what the British call a magical mystery tour. They, they literally do this as tourists. They will book a trip, have no clue where they're going, pack their suitcases, get on a bus, and depend on the bus driver to take them somewhere. Entire Christian life is a magical mystery tour. None of us could have predicted we would be where we are today when we first began to follow our Lord. And if you are like I am, that 
does not sit well with our personalities. You know me. I talked a little bit about this last week. I am a planner. Plan your life. Live your plan. I like to know what's going to happen, what the itinerary is going to be. As long as I have some sense of what's going to unfold, I have some sense of control. I recall when our children were in primary, elementary school, we decided to take them to Disney World for the first time. Magical kingdom where everything is, you don't have to worry, you just go in and enjoy yourself, not me. I planned that trip like a military campaign. I read and memorized the unofficial guide to Disney World. And when we hit the gates, when they first opened, I had a plan to ride Dumbo the Flying Elephant or die. And if anybody in my family suggested an alteration to the pl- that was not even acceptable or considered. And that's not how God operates. And one of the most uncharacteristic moments of my life is when I promised I would go where I was sent. And it occurs in disciples' lives over and again, even in the Gospels. Luke chapter 9 has this kind of interesting encounter with Jesus and three would-be followers. Uh, The first one comes up to Jesus and says, I will follow you wherever you go. This is the sort of conversation preachers dream about. Somebody wants to join the church, and if I've been in Jesus' place, it's great. Let's say today you can join, get baptized, here's your pledge card. But Jesus told him to count the cost. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another said, I will follow you, but first let me go and bury my father. Jesus' words sound very harsh to us. He said, let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. Another said, let me go and at least say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of God's kingdom. When God says go, we're called to go. And to leave everything else behind, following in the footsteps of our Lord. And I've discovered over, as I look at my sermons over the past few years, that there is this theme that kind of winds in and through them of being sensitive to the Spirit's call and being willing to drop everything in order to pursue it. And that requires an element of trust and of faith that I'm still working on in my spiritual journey. And my guess is you are too. I served Mossy Creek United Methodist Church in Cleveland, Georgia from 1987 to 1991. And there was this young, one young boy in the congregation named Brian. Brian was the energizer bunny of worship. He was, if you looked up ADHD, that would be his picture in the dictionary. I mean, he could not sit still. He squirmed like a worm in hot ashes during worship. But the one thing he loved was the children's time. And he had come running up so excited to be there in the center of attention, and he always had something to share that his parents didn't want him to. And one day I was talking about faith, and I decided to do, most of us have done this before, a trust fall. When you spread out your arms, you close your eyes, and the person you're trusting, you fall back and they catch you. I thought this would be a great object lesson for the children. So here was my mistake. I asked for a volunteer, Sarah. And Brian immediately volunteered. And I said, well, Brian, do you trust your pastor? Oh, yes, I love, I trust Pastor Bill. And I said, okay, I want you to stand up with your back to me. And I want you to hold out your arms and close your eyes. I'm going to count to three and I want you to fall. He said, okay, okay, okay. 
So I said, one, two, three, and Brian fell in complete trust forward. <laughs> Only very quick action on his pastor's part. I was younger and a little bit more spry back then. I was able to catch him, saved his entire life's faith. But that's the faith of a child that Jesus talked about, of children entering into God's kingdom and that we must become like them. God says, go. And we say, me? And God says, go. We ask, where? And God says, go. And we want to know how. And God says, go. And we say, now? God said, go to Abram. And he went. And it made the difference not only in his life and his family, but an entire nation as well as a world. And here's the question I would invite you to prayerfully consider today. And perhaps take it with you throughout the week. What if we came to pray in prayer to God today and asked the question, where do you want me to go? How would God answer? And my guess is at least for a percentage of the people sitting here today, something immediately came to mind. Something you need to quit doing. Something you need to start doing. Some ministry that has your name all over it. Somebody you need to reach out to and share the good news. A relationship that needs to be mended. Forgiveness that needs to be extended or accepted. Where do you want me to go? And then with spirits sensitive to the spirit's touch, to go. I became a probationary member in the North Georgia Annual Conference in 1981. And it just happened, I had the opportunity to go on a Holy Land trip, so I wasn't at the actual annual conference. And Bishop Joel McDavid, in an extremely gracious measure, came to the church where I was serving as an associate pastor at Kennesaw United Methodist and ordained me at that altar rail. And I still remember the question, do you offer yourself without reservation to be appointed and to serve as the appointed authority may determine? And in a very uncharacteristic moment of my life, I answered yes. God asked the same question of each of us because we too are itinerant ministers and we don't know where we're going but we know who we're following and that's that's enough let us pray almighty god we ask the question today where do you want me to go where do you want me to go what do you want me to do? Who are you calling me to interact with? How am I called to change? What do I need to give up? What do I need to take up? Where do you want me to go? And as we hear the response to that question, and you say go, grant us the grace to go. Amen.